0: Welcome, nerd and nerdettes. Today's podcast episode features talks of Sam the Man Jackson, the Netflix Witcher series, and fried sauerkraut? <laughs> you know, listening to Featuring Dez. Welcome back, everyone. It's your boy, Dez, from Featuring Dez. And today, I wanna, I wanna, I'm really excited to, <laughs> to talk to you guys about Quentin Tarantino's newest directorial outing. Whew. But before we we uh, we talk, we bring up the main event, which is Tarantino's newest film. I want to slowly lean into you guys on a couple topics first. And first up, let's talk about probably my biggest my, my, my biggest uh, thing that I nerd about, like no matter what. And I want to talk to you guys about Star Wars, but more particularly, I want to talk to you guys about uh, what Mr. Sam Sam the Man Jackson recently said in the interview. So Sam the Man Jackson in the interview recently said he loved to play the character of Mace Windu again. Now, I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> I take Samuel Jackson in Star Wars in any capacity I can get him. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say I'd love to see him in a new Star Wars live-action film, but maybe we can get like a awesome animated movie, right? Maybe we can get an awesome animated movie. And and I believe that'd be a strong move because he's no stranger to voice acting. For those that don't know he's actually voiced the main characters of an anime called afro samurai and yes it was amazing yes it was so dope it got a sequel and yes you should go watch it but like not right now because you know you want to finish listening to this podcast and hear my soothing voice (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah sorry I'm i'm a little giddy today but um uh, yeah, just listen to this podcast, and then go see if you can find Afro Samurai, dude, it's great, it's, like, an awesome black exploitation film, but, like, in, in Japan, it's, it's so dope, it's about a badass samurai, obviously, because it's called Afro Samurai, but, um, yes, uh, I feel like bringing the godfather of F-bombs back to a galaxy far, far away is always a good move, and, Like, why not? The man has so much charisma and he's one of the most recognizable faces in cinema. And if we don't get necessarily, say, an animated movie, then if an animated movie is not necessarily in the stars, then maybe we can get an animated series. You know what I'm saying? You know, maybe we can follow one of the many adventures that Mace Windu has gone on. Because if, I mean, because think about it, we got lots of material to pull from, my friend. With Star Wars, there's so much material. We got the comics. Marvel is knee-deep in in adapting some of these great moments in the comics. We also got some of the great EU storylines, plotlines. We got some of the great books. We, and, and if we're going to, if if I had to, to suggest any great book that we're going to adapt about Mace Windu, <clears throat> Shatterpoint, Shatterpoint, let's do Shatterpoint. <laughs> I think Shatterpoint would be cool. And um, there's so much great material. Kathleen Kennedy, Disney, who who the fuck ever? Let's make it happen. Let's let's make it happen. And also, I'd probably get in trouble if I'm bringing up Samuel Jackson's voice acting career and I didn't mention the classic Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. St. Jake! If anybody has, has ever heard of, uh, of uh, Grand Theft Auto, chances are they probably heard of San Andreas. Uh, Samuel Jackson played the amazing uh, villain in that game. And, dude, I knew he was a great voice actor from day one. He, you could just hear it in his voice. He carries himself well. And, yeah, guys, Star Wars, Mace Windu, let's adapt one of those many great stories and make an animated movie or a series about it. You know, let, 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 let's get it. And speaking of adaptations, yo, I want to talk to my fellow nerds about that new Witcher Netflix series. Have, have, have y'all seen the trailer? <laughs> like, it was pretty baller, right? Yo, y'all, y'all can't see my reaction right now, but your boy is hype. I'm pretty hype. I mean, why? Why wouldn't I be? Like, we got we got buff as all hell, Superman himself, Henry Cavill. Or Henry Cavill. Uh, sorry if I butchered that. We got Henry uh, Henry Cavill, uh, Geralt, playing Geralt of Rivia. Superman himself playing Geralt of Rivia. That is perfect for Superman to be playing The Witcher, especially considering they're like augmented buff badasses. But. Now I'm not trying to say that this Netflix Witcher series just is going to be it's going to be a godsend as far as adaptations go, but what I am saying is that if I was a chef and my sous chefs brought me into the kitchen to make sure they had all the proper ingredients to succeed, and then they let me sample some of the food they made, and I'm and I'm sampling, I'm like, mm, mm. Perfecto. That'd be my reaction. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is they got they got all the ingredients to make it work. And also for those who have only played, say, the video games, you might be in for rude awakening, because from what I understand, the series will follow more of the books take on things rather than say the masterpiece that is the video game counterpart. And it is kind of an odd choice, especially considering the video game is what uh popularized the uh well the books were already popular, but the video games shot that shit off in the stardom. And then the video games more or less popularized it even more, and the video games more people are aware of. Um I don't necessarily think going to book route is as a bad is a bad idea. As a matter of fact, I'm actually with 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 the if I was on a creative t- uh, st- uh, staff and I was in pre-production, I'd 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 think we should go the book route as well. That there, there's more lore there. So and, but but the game did it did it masterfully. I mean, how good does a game have to be that right after you beat it, you decide, well, shit, time to go read them books? Like, <laughs> like just about anyone I know that beat the games, they, they got heavily invested in the books. I mean, this game, the game The Witcher 3 especially, the game makes immersion seem artful. I mean, that's my opinion. I know there are folks out there that don't necessarily really care for it. And that's fine. But like my homie Terry Crews from White Chicks once said, it's all good, baby. We all got secrets. And I find that to be true. I can't tell you how many times there's been something I found to be just absolutely a work of art. And someone's like, "Eh, it's all right. And, And, you know, that that's fine. Everybody got secrets that they try to hold. Like, I know I know people who hate Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction was was in it was in the, in the year 95 I believe was it was, that was a rough year for the battle of best picture in in in, uh, in Hollywood. That was one of the roughest years. If you if you were nominated for best picture in, in the year 1995 in cinema, that was a rough year. Pulp Fiction was one of the ones running, so was Forrest Gump and a slew of other great films. I know people that hate all those films. And, you know, you know, art is subjective. That's just how it goes. All right, moving on to the next topic. I want to talk to you guys about a show that is very near and dear to my heart and some point in time in the future I plan on doing a video essay on this series but then it's an anime act actually and it's called Hunter Hunter some people mistakenly call it Hunter x Hunter and Hunter Hunter is probably my favorite shonen anime series I'm not even kidding you it's 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 so good it's it was it felt like it was tailor-made perfectly for me it's probably my favorite shonen anime series besides maybe Dragon Ball Z but I don't really count that because that thing's it's it's I can't view that unbiasedly. It's it's its own entity. But Hunter Hunters' uh, 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 finale aired on June twenty second uh, of this year because uh, it's it's it recently got redone in English English dub, and it's it, it's final episode aired on Toonami June twenty second, and many fans all over uh, social media took to Twitter and just all over to say goodbye to this great series, and so so many people took to twitter and social media they went so ham on talking about how great this series was and how much they're gonna miss it that it was actually out trending that of boruto naruto and the dragon ball series now i don't know about you guys but if you guys know anything about about the naruto series it's created by uh the legend himself masashi kishimoto that man's net worth is ridiculous and dragon ball has as far as anime topics go it's always trending it's fucking dragon ball and then and the fact that hunter hunter was out trending those that 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 just that 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 touched me guys and ever since then the manga for hunter hunter um uh, um which is like basically the comic book uh, of the um of the adaptation for those that don't know uh manga is basically japanese comics although saying it's just japanese comics is doing it a disservice but the manga for hunter hunter uh was selling so bad dude it was it was something like big booty girls in Jabba's palace. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was a <laughs> Star Wars joke for anyone who didn't get it. Because, you know, Jabba, Jabba always got girls in his palace. All right, anyway, um, hopefully, as well as, as high as it was trending and as well as the manga has been doing, this shows this hopefully shows the creator himself, Yoshihiro Tagashi, that there's still tons of interest in his masterpiece of a manga and hopefully this helps pushes him to get off his ass and finish the manga finish hunter hunter because dude um everyone out there is dying to see Madhouse uh finish finish the anime because uh I, the anime is excellent for anyone who hasn't checked it i recommend it to anyone who can i mean, i like hunter hunter more than jojo's bizarre adventure anyone who knows me knows i like me some jojo uh it's it's a guilty pleasure of mine but for anyone who doesn't know, the creator of Hunter x Hunter, uh, Yoshihiro Togashi, he created uh, a, 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 another uh, stellar uh, anime series called Yu Hakusho, which was amazing. Both are great in their own right. Um, and uh, Togashi hasn't been in necessarily in the best health the past couple of years, which is why like Hunter x Hunter has been coined... Uh, hiatus hiatus instead of hunter hunter because ever since hunter hunter's inception uh he's taken so many hiatuses and people are worried that they'll never see the end of it (laughs) there's hella memes on it just go google it and uh okay last bit of news i want to touch on before we get into that tarantino i want to talk to you guys about um so i want to talk to you guys about x-men but uh, specifically x-men dark phoenix so basically a couple months ago x-men dark phoenix actually got pulled from movie theaters And I don't know about you guys, but that's insane for me to think about. That's baffling. And that's also kind of a shame and kind of a wake up call for a studio. Right. Because if you had asked 10 year old Des how he felt about an X-Men movie getting pulled from theaters, no lie, he probably would have teared up because growing up, X-Men was probably my favorite. um, It was my favorite comic series. It taught me a lot about acceptance and, and just everyone coming from different cultures and it, it, it helped me out a lot growing up, and it still is probably my favorite property at Marvel Comics, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't at least get a tad bit of joy when I heard this news about Dark Vader getting pulled. I know it sounds kind of cruel for me to laugh at someone else's misfortune, but yo, these X-Men movies haven't been good for a long time, and they haven't really been doing the best job even since they first started, right? the the last x-men movies i enjoyed were probably the only x-men movies i truly enjoyed were the ones that matthew vaughn had a toe in (laughs) and matthew vaughn had had a finger in it i enjoyed it like first class i dug uh days of future past while it wasn't while it wasn't directed by vaughn vaughn wrote the script and uh i oh oh and I'd, i'd i'd be criticized if i didn't bring up james mangold masterpiece of a film, Logan. Dear God, that movie was amazing. And I know I might be in a minority, but I actually dug James Mangos' first uh, Wolverine installment, which is, I believe is just called The Wolverine. It primarily takes place in Japan. And the first half of the film is amazing. Second half... Eh, on to the next. <laughs> and... um it got a little goofy in the second half. And you could tell, um, Gordon to Logan, uh, James Mango wanted to stick more to his guns and what he was mostly known for as a director. And you know, i done wrong with that. Because look how Logan turned out. Also, if you guys have not seen Logan's basically film, uh, like its noir version where it's all black and white, ugh, go see it. Go see it. It's so good. Uh, but, guys, like, the original X Men films, the original trilogy that people like to hail in such high regard, uh, the first one for me was okay. Second movie was actually legit a good movie. The third movie was bad. Bad. <laughs> and uh, as a, as a trilogy, it was actually just a meh, just a meh trilogy. You, you had one good movie and one okay movie. And I'm not going to give the X-Men movies too much crap because without X2 and, and the X-Men, the original X-Men trilogy, and people realizing, oh, what? You can actually take superheroes kind of seriously? Like, they basically did what Dark Knight, they basically, everything that people actually give Dark Knight credit for, that you can make a serious, dark uh, superhero movies, X-Men films did first. Uh, Christopher Nolan just popularized it. Uh, but, yeah, guys, um, basically what I'm trying to say is about this Dark Phoenix film, is that... Uh, usually when the X-Men films weren't that great, they at least did well financially. But when an X-Men film does bad critically and commercially, what else do you have? Right? So it's, I, so I it makes sense for, for a studio to pull it. Right. And maybe hopefully this is a wake up call and a warning shot to people who in the future decide to adapt a beloved series. Maybe they'll maybe think about the fans a little bit more. That's all I'm saying. And, uh, Moving into this final topic, which is going to be (laughs) that Tarantino film I've been waiting to talk to y'all about. Before I do that, uh, I want you guys to hear from my sponsor real quick. So, let's get it. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the newest outing for acclaimed director and pop culture icon, Quentin Tarantino. And it's also his ninth film, and it shows... See, this film is most definitely a personal project. Tarantino has always been vocal about his love for the golden age of cinema and its interesting transition. This film is pretty much a love letter to that. And it's also a bit more subtle than most of his previous installments. It's also a slow burn. A slow burn that ends with a bang. Like, (laughs) and speaking of the bang, I actually had a friend who told me that he, for the most part, he found himself not as interested as he wished he was in the film, but the last 15 minutes more than made up for the price of admission. So I was happy to hear that. Uh, (laughs) And he, he went out of the movie enjoying it. The ending felt like it all made sense to him. And to a certain degree, me too. See, this movie for me was not what I expected to be honest. And that's how I'd sum up the movie. This movie was a masterclass in toying with the expectations of the audience, even up until the final shot. Tarantino again continues his trend of playing with history like he previously did in Inglourious Bastards and in Django Unchained. This film is about this so this film is, is about Sir Calvin Candy, I mean <laughs> Rick Dalton and his more athletic friend Cliff Booth as they both struggle to make it in the ever-changing Hollywood. Rick is played by the absolute amazing Leonardo DiCaprio and is brought to and Cliff is brought to life by the great the the very talented Mr. Brad Pitt. Both actors deliver amazing and heartfelt performances. Now, besides the great acting, this film is also littered with moments that you where you don't quite know what will happen next and I found that to be refreshing I very much so enjoyed the film now with that said this is without a doubt Tarantino's slowest paced film but I don't find it to be a negative especially considering the fact that this film very much so benefits from it now some of you may not like the slow pacing and you know that's fine Ain't nobody trying to trying to be in there watching something drag along. Um, but that brings me into the bad. And let's talk about the bad. So there are a few times, mo- mostly in the middle of the film, where I was like, yo, where the fuck is this going? But then the final act happened and the ending happened and it all made sense. This movie is a masterclass in toying with the expectations of the audience. And I appreciated it. Now. Even though I hadn't enjoyed, like, even if I had let's say, enjoyed the ending as much as I did, I still would say this movie, at very least, is a fun time. Because I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy watching these two good friends go from adventure to adventure, trying to survive in the new Hollywood. Their relationship was the backbone of the movie and provided with m- most of the heart. It, w- it was the heart. And honestly, I, I was actually kind of touched by their loyalty to each other. And nearly everything you could ask was like, it's, it's interesting because, uh, the, the, their dynamic here, one had a, had a great acting career and had nearly everything, uh, you could ask for, but he was also a bit vulnerable mentally while the other wasn't as well off financially as the other but he always stayed strong both physically and mentally and that that made for that they made for a a great dynamic I love that Uh, Tarantino did a good job on it they made for a great duo and there was a moment at the end that made me at uh, towards uh, at the end that kind of made me go oh (laughs) I mean I expressed this internally not audibly (laughs) I, I had to keep my professionalism about me because you know I was surrounded by critics no emotion (laughs) <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh Because the only reason I said that because it felt like I was the only one laughing. Actually, all right, th- that's not true. A lot of people were laughing in the movie. Uh I just very clearly was the loudest. <laughs> and uh, speaking of laughter, this is actually Tarantino's, I would say, his funniest film. I would probably classify this film as like a historic dramedy because it was a comedy, but like it was a drama as well. You're watching these guys struggle. And, um... Uh, real quick, one thing I want to bring up is that, like I, I like I heard one guy say, "Man, Margot Robbie didn't even really need to be in this movie," and you know, they're not wrong for feeling that way. But for me, that plays into the aspect of toying with the audience. See, all right. So when you look at it, you have the man. You have you, uh, Tarantino's covering the Manson murders, and the fact that you, you look at it, the fact that Margot Robbie's playing Sharon Tate, who had. A pretty horrible outcome. And you look at the purposely eerie shots Tarantino uses anytime, excuse me, anytime that character's on screen. And it, it evokes a certain emotion in you, especially in the later half. Now, not saying he couldn't have done this in a different or better way, but what I am saying is that I appreciated it. And I, underst- and the, and I understand where he was going with it. Because there's plenty of times where you think this is going to happen, and it doesn't. That's the whole movie, is that <laughs> Tarantino is just being a beast the whole time. Like, oh, no, this ain't happened. Oh, you think... Yeah. and Like, the whole time, he narratively sets you up for one thing, only for you to be slapped in the face with something totally different. And it's fun. Now, earlier I mentioned how Tarantino, uh, this is his most subtle He's he's been. And... As a filmmaker, you can tell he's matured now. Bear with me because I'm about to say something that uh, might make y'all want to send me to LaQuint Dickey. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a Django Unchained uh, joke for for those who got it. But um, <laughs> I personally would love to see Tarantino tackle a romantic comedy. Now. <laughs> I know that sounds a bit ridiculous, but Tarantino himself has come out and said that rom-coms are actually kind of his guilty pleasure. Now, he, he was saying that whenever he's in a plane, he always pops one in. <laughs> now, the, the, and he, he said he mostly watches the ones back in the uh, Matthew McConaughey uh, romantic comedy days. And, uh, huh, it's still crazy to me that Matthew McConaughey went from doing hella generic romance movies to dropping great performance after great performance in a movie. Yo, like, h- how do we go from Ghost of Girlfriends' past to, like, not even through, maybe three years later, to only doing dark critical hits like Mud, Dallas Buyers Club, and True Detective? Like, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting off subject, but yeah, man, um, in all seriousness, I would love to see Mr. Quentin branch out just a bit more before he retires, because, yo, this. This man, Tarantino, got me all stressed out talking about some retiring bullshit. That man better stay in the studio. like. <laughs> but um, even if rom-coms aren't in uh, the stars, I would love to see him maybe tackle a sci-fi film. I mean, rumor has it Homeboy's supposed to be doing that, that uh, Star Trek film. You know what I'm saying? And even if none of that even happens, I- I'm cool with it. Now, if I had to give any advice prior to seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... I would really recommend brushing up just a tad bit on some of, some of your knowledge on the Manson murders and all the stuff that surrounds it, because a lack of knowledge could possibly leave you as an audience member confused and maybe feeling a tad bit underwhelmed by the ironic ending that happens at the end. And that's all I'm going to say on that. But in the end, once upon a time, while not for everyone I personally found it to be thoroughly entertaining and honestly I've gained a whole new respect for Tarantino as a storyteller. If I had to rate this bad boy, I give it a five out of five stars. Thank you, Tarantino. Your movies are like gifts to cinema. I don't want to see you retire, but you know, if you do, dude, man, you, 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 gotta, you gotta do 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 something crazy. Just just go out with a bang, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean technically this ending was kind of a bang, but you know. Thank you guys for letting me chat your ear off today. This is Dez from Featuring Dez signing out. Peace.